my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show. We're always talking about the decentralized revolution, how the world is changing as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Of course, that technology being Bitcoin, that decentralized technology that is always changing the world. You know, I like to bring you some education, some breaking news so you know what's going on, and some interesting guests. And that's what I have to today. I'm sitting down with Spike Cohen. He's returning back to the show. Uh, Spike was a 2020 vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. So I wanted to dig into a little bit of politics, a little bit of technology with Bitcoin and talk about what the heck just happened in Argentina. Spike, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be on, man. Thanks for having me on again. Um, man, I got to say just real quick too, we both spoke at the, uh, the freedom fest in, um, in Memphis this year, uh, listening mm -hmm. to your talk. That was really cool, man. You really laid it out. I like that. So I just wanted to say congrats on that. Uh, that, oh, absolutely. That, Thank the, you. the conference, it's, a, I would like to see it a little bit better. I'd like to see more people there for freedom, but unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it is kind of, kind of is, is what it is, I guess. But I want to talk about, uh, what just happened in, uh, Argentina spike. And I want to get your opinion on this because I saw something that I didn't think we would ever see. And what am I talking about? Uh, probably like you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, democracy is sort of a scam, right? My, a tyranny of the minority by the majority mob rule. And yeah. I've thought that once more than half of the population has found out they can vote themselves more money, they will always vote themselves more money. I thought that's how it always be. And yet here we have a democracy, whatever, voted themselves to basically cut the government down and probably end a lot of entitlements for themselves. I was shocked to see that. What was your thought on that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, Javier Malay, I think, can only happen. An election of a, of a candidate like that can only happen when people see the consequences of voting themselves a bunch of free stuff. Let, let's get some perspective here on just how bad things are in Argentina right now. Their official inflation rate is 150%, between 125 and 150%. That's the official one. It's actually probably double that. Uh, and has been that way for several years now. The uh, Argentine peso is essentially worthless. Uh, the official exchange rate is 350 pesos to the U.S. to one U.S. dollar, but it's actually much higher than that. Uh, and it's as a direct result of both so-called left-wing and so-called right-wing governments, Peronista governments and conservative governments and socialist governments who get into office and spend more than the last uh, group of government that was in before them. And that all came to a head in 2019 when they had a, uh, a their market, uh, they had a market collapse and the government responded by spending, spending by almost an order of magnitude more than they had ever spent before while also introducing capital controls to try to control, control the value of the Argentine peso. And we saw what happened as a result of that. Now, you know, the prices are more than doubling every year, roughly tripling every year. Uh, their economy is completely in the toilet. And then here shows up one of their legislators saying, I'm going to eliminate all of this. And not only that, but he he correctly blamed it on the political caste, on the politicians who were robbing them blind with their own money and causing the, the economic ruin they were in. And by a pretty decidable margin, he beat Sergio Massa, who, by the way, was the economic minister during most of this nonsense that's been right. going on. So this was not just an election of a of a libertarian by uh, by one of the the you know largest uh, percentages of the voting public in Argentina, but a complete repudiation of the economic policy that led up to this. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting who he beat and how he was responsible for the economy. And yet, you know, they're like, hey, we don't want that anymore. So is it sort of, I guess, what you're saying and sort of what shocked me, it's sort of like you have to hit rock bottom before you want to go the other way, like your your friend that's an alcoholic or drug addict and they don't want rehab. And so these people for since the 40s, really, so over 60 years have been voting for more and more and more. And they finally just realized, OK, like it's not working. We have to go. We've hit rock bottom. We have to go the opposite way. I hope that we don't have to hit rock bottom, but it certainly helped. <laughs> it yeah. was certainly the, the uh, I'm not sure that a Javier Millet could have been elected 10 years ago in Argentina, maybe five years ago. But, uh, you know, he certainly was able to get elected because they have hit uh, at pretty darn close to rock bottom. Uh, I think there are many lessons we can learn here in the States and across the country, across the planet on how libertarianism can be presented. Um, the reality is uh, Malay does not pull punches. Uh, he does not um, try to, um, you know, couch libertarianism in relatable terms or anything like that. He's very upfront about the fact that the current political system is an act of robbery by a political caste that seeks to rob everyone blind and benefit from it. And he's going to completely undo all of that. He talks about how socialism is a failure, a representation of failure on every front, not just economically, but socially, culturally, and in every aesthetically, even, he says, uh, in every way. He talks about the fact that Bitcoin is really the return of money back to its actual originators, which was the private sector. This is a man who in no way tries to 
uh, water down or, 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 you know, pander in his messaging. And, uh, you know, the public uh, connected with it. So even if that message couldn't necessarily win in other countries or in the U.S., it certainly connects far more than someone trying to present libertarianism as, you know, the best part of being a Republican and the best part of being a Democrat. It's none of that. It is yeah. a complete stark change that is necessary and needed. And, and the, the, the public bought it in, in Argentina. Let's talk about the messaging for a minute. You know, one thing I am kind of known for is talking about these cycles and sort of how these pendulums swing back and forth and human nature takes yeah. things too far and then they go back the other way, right? That's sort of how it works. And so, you know, we're at this age right now of like, uh, the millennials and the, the snowflakes and now the wokeism and like, you know, all of that that's going on. But yet we're sort of seeing the Andrew Tates and the Jordan Peterson sort of rise, uh, dramatically rise being the strong opposition to that, if you will. Right stand up, pull yourself by your bootstraps, so to, so to speak. Donald Trump sort of embodied that, so to speak, very brash, kind of crude, just said kind of yeah. whatever, the big bully, sort of like what Miele is doing as well. And what's interesting is in a time of of snowflakes and wokeism and stuff, you would think that the stuff Miele is saying, such as calling these um, politicians parasites, he calls them, right? Like um, you would think that that's not socially acceptable. And today people are too weak and frail to deal with that. But again, back with the Tates or the Jordan Petersons or the Trumps, and now Miele's, do you think back to your point, the messaging that this is sort of the messaging that people want and, and the media is trying to suppress it and pretend that we don't, but really this is what we need right now. Is that the pendulum yeah, starting to this, swing back? I think this is demonstrating that political correctness or wokeism or whatever you want to call it has always been a paper tiger. It has always only been powerful if their accusations against you and they're, they're name calling against you if you don't, uh, you know, do what they're telling you to do, if they actually affect you. If you're scared of being called a bigot or a racist or a such and such phobe, if you don't accept their narrative as it's ever, not just their current narrative, but it's ever changing narrative. Um, and what's happening is people are demonstrating. Um, uh, even on, on, in, in the comedy world, you have people like Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle who just flat out told them, I'm not, I don't care what you say about me or what you call me. This is what the, you know, the people want to hear it. And the reality is, I think the vast majority of people are, think the same way they did 20 or 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're seeing now that this was all like a largely a, a corporate media and government driven campaign to try to cow us into fear against saying the truth. Yeah. I think the other thing and something that I've been worrying about for a long time or kind of paying attention to from the political standpoint is like, uh, I hate using labels, man, but unfortunately this is sort of what we have to talk about. But, you know, one side of the aisle, the left side of the aisle, if you will, seems to always be on the, on the offense. And then maybe the conservative side, I guess, cause they're trying to conserve has always been sort of on their heels. Like, and you can't win from a defensive position. And so like, that's, you know, yeah. if you're boxing or whatever, that's a strategy. Let me put my opponent on their heels, so to speak. Right. And so the conservatives, the Republicans, the right, whatever has always been in this like sort of uh, cowering posture and just trying to defend uh, a, a, a never ending barrage of attacks. And maybe this immediately going back to the messaging is like taking the fight back to them. No, you're the one stealing the money. You're the ones that are the parasites. Yep. Your policies are the ones that have caused this. And it's sort of gone from that defensive position uh, to a more offensive position. Um, if you just tune in right now, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about what's going on with this libertarian movement across the country. We'll be back with more in a minute. Uh, don't go away. Be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. 
Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Spike Cohen. He was previously the 2020 Libertarian candidate for vice president. We are talking about maybe this shift uh, that's happening across the world. And Spike, that's what I want to kind of talk about now. Maybe this shift that we're seeing around the world. I, you know, I'm looking for nuance. Maybe I'm just optimistic, but I'm looking for signs. And it seems like all across the world, uh, at least the West, maybe, if you will, but maybe the world, we're starting to see this kind of pendulum swinging back. Maybe, you know, Italy, we got Maloney down there, you know, we have in Hungary, there's some pushback. Poland is sort of on this battleground. Uh, but even in nations like France and, and uh, Germany, we're seeing sort of this, this swing back. Obviously, um, what's happened down here in Argentina, El Salvador is a great example. Do you, th- I mean, do you think that's, is that, is that the pendulum starting to swing back or are we just being too hopeful there? I think there's always this pendulum swinging back and forth and it, it starts uh, as with all things at the cultural and social level and it works its way downstream to politics. The problem is we see, and we see it here in the States, what happens is when that pendulum swings back and, and you had kind of talked about this previously, what can, when, when we go from progressives to conservatives, the conservatives, and I think it was Michael Malice who first said it, conservatives are basically progressives going the speed limit 
or or they're basically they're preserving what progressives fought to to win, say, 10 years prior. And so when the the progressives get replaced with conservatives and the conservatives do little to nothing to actually change things and are really fighting this constant, constant defensive battle. Well, then the, and nothing really improves as a result. It swings back to progressives. This is where libertarians can not just win, but actually change things because we aren't trying to preserve the progressives gains from five or 10 years ago. We aren't trying to go the speed limit. We recognize that this entire thing, and this is what Malay is saying, this entire thing is a scam. You have a relative handful <laughs> of people who yeah. are controlling everything from the top and robbing everyone blind to benefit themselves through inflation, through taxation, through overregulation and, and all of that. And he seeks and we seek as libertarians to completely get rid of all of that or at least to massively reduce it. And uh, and that is not only a winning message, but when we actually do it. Uh, then I think the pendulum actually swings further in our direction towards people recognizing that was always the best way forward and that they need to reject all of the statism from the left yeah. or the right. Yeah, that's where these labels start to get really messy, which is why I hate to use them. The, the definitions have gotten so messed up these days. But, you yeah. know, I think of conservatives as like if they're trying to conserve the principles of the Constitution, like that might be something yes. libertarians would get in line with. Right. Yep. Uh, so that would be good. Let's conserve the, the let's conserve the Constitution as it was written, not in as a living yeah. document type of way. Um, as opposed to, hey, let's uh, conserve, like to your point, what the progressives have put forward like a decade ago. Um, yeah. So I so I think I think maybe that's more in line, and that's where these labels start to get sort of mixed up. What about the Independent Party? So RFK now has jumped on the Independent Party. How does the Independent Party and the Libertarian Party sort of work together, or coexist, or differences there? Well, I think anyone who's not a Republican or Democrat, even if we even if you have an example like the Green Party, where there are things where, where we are polar opposites, we can at least work together on things like ballot access. See, one of the reasons that Javier Millet was able to actually become president was because first he was able to get elected to the legislature. And the only reason he was able to get elected to the legislature is because they have in Argentina, they have open ballot access. And they also have proportional voting. He got elected to the legislature with just over 17 percent of the vote. And it was from that elected position that he was able to build his brand and to demonstrate what it was he was trying to you know, uh, promote as a libertarian. It was from that position. So I think that there are many things that libertarians, independents, Green Party, Constitution, Reform Party, you know, every other party can work together on to try to break the stranglehold that Republicans and Democrats have on the voting system. And, and, and to be clear, it's disenfranchisement from their own perspective, from the from the statist perspective on voting rights. It's disenfranchisement. If if you are telling someone that they really only have two choices and you use the power of government to all but force off every other option from even being on the ballot ballot by their own definition that's disenfranchisement and we should be fighting against that we can certainly work together to do so i was in um, amsterdam a month or two ago i spoke at the bitcoin amsterdam conference and uh, i was talking to a taxi cab there and he was explaining how their government in in uh, holland um or in um um I, I don't know. I grew up calling it Holland. They're like, no, you can't call it Holland. It's not Holland. It's um, the, the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands. Yeah. Holland is just a city, right? That's a city. It's not the, the country. It's the Netherlands. Anyway, let's talk about how the political party is uh, very 
I guess, uh, decentralized, if you will, because every yeah. time somebody leaves one party, they go create another party. And he says, you know, he thinks, or the, maybe some of the people there think that there's too many parties, and so they can't ever get enough of the vote. Um, and maybe, you know, you're only getting 15% of the population, uh, populist vote, but yet it's the majority. I mean, do you think it gets too decentralized at some point like that? I think it depends entirely on how you're led. I mean, there's so many different factors. There's what kind of voting system you're using. There's how your legislature is made up. Uh, and then there's this, the real politic reality of coalition building and all of that stuff. But generally speaking, I would much rather have it where politicians are having to cobble together some kind of coalition of the various parties than to basically have a two-headed uniparty that when it comes to things like ever-increasing debt, ever-increasing growth of the military-industrial complex, ever-increasing growth of the administrative state, ever-increasing taxation and, and theft. I would much rather have, if the, if the other extreme is that those politicians, when they get elected, are now figuring out how to cobble together a majority, I'd much rather have that extreme. But I think that we don't necessarily have to have either extreme. I think that you can still have um, you know, state-based electoral systems, which is what we need to have. We can't have a national one. We shouldn't have a national one. We're 50 nation states uh, that are confederated together. Um, but I think that you should also be able to have uh, enough um, really just open access to the ballot and to stop funding campaigns. So Republicans and Democrats get hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to fund their campaigns, their conventions, their primaries and everything else, while the rest of us not only don't get any of that, nor do we want it, but we have to actually spend our own money to fight in court to even be able to be on the ballot. All of that needs to end. The, the, the uh, restrictions to ballot access and the taxpayer funding of campaigns, just eliminating those two things would do so much towards allowing non-Republicrats to actually be able to, to win elections. Yeah. Talk about ballot access. Um, I was in Texas this last week in Texas Blockchain Association, and there was a bunch of politicians there. Uh, Senator Loomis from Wyoming was there. And uh, I woke up in the morning, and I see the headline that uh, in Wyoming, they're trying to remove Trump and Loomis from the ballot. <laughs> and uh, I went and I said, hey, I just saw this morning, they're, they're trying to remove you from the ballot. She's like, well, I guess I'm doing something right. But like, talk about like, I mean, you're trying to literally remove a president, the leading presidential candidate or a senator from your own state from the ballot. Yeah. And that's somehow a protection of a democracy. I mean, it's just insane uh, the way they're doing this. I want to I want to talk. Um, I, uh, I want to talk more about some of the strategies. I listened to James Lindsay, Dr. James Lindsay, talking about some strategies that was really good. I want to run that by you. Um, sort of the scam of politics, if you will. So I want to run that by you and see what you think about that. And I want to talk more about uh, how they were able to get um, Yile elected, counting votes by hand in a single night. I think it was pretty big. Yes. And then talk, talk about Bitcoin. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're going to cover all those topics in a minute. I'm sitting down with Spike Cohen, uh, Libertarian uh, Vice Presidential Candidate in 2020, uh, and a wealth of information. So we're going to come back. We'll talk about those a couple of subjects in a minute after a very short break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Spike Cohen, and we are talking about a lot of things uh, around what's going on in Argentina with the new libertarian presidential candidate that's down there. Um, So I want to talk about um, this sort of... uh, the scam of politics. And this is kind of the way that I've been starting to think about it. And it was really listening to a Jordan Peterson interview with his daughter a month or two ago. It got me kind of changing my mind on this and you're hitting on it. Um, the scam of politics, sort of like a magic trick. Hey, look over there while we do this to you here. And you yeah. mentioned earlier that we're a confederate of states. We're, we're a republic if you can keep it right. And so 50 independent states. And so in that the whole nation is caught up in this presidential election. And we have been since I was a kid. I remember yeah. being in elementary yeah. school asking me who I wanted to be president, right? We're always watching this presidential election and none of that matters. What matters is right in front of our face and we're not even yeah. paying attention. My city council matters. My, um, my county supervisor matters or you know, however that's structured in your state. My um, sheriff, my DA, my governor, those matter to me. And... Um, we're all being, you know, misdirected. And James Lindsay was talking about, he had this really good video. I'm going to find it. I'll put it in the show notes for everybody listening down below. Um, but he talked about a, uh, a plan to beat the left. And he talked about how the left sort of infiltrated the Democrat party, um, the squad and, and how they kind of came in. And he said, we can basically take that and build out our own plan. And he said, start with your local politics. Can you just get one or two? Cause we, you know, the Republican party has been taken over by the rhinos and you can fill in libertarian party or whatever you want. But like yeah. in, in my County, for example, could we just get one or two Republican seats? And then could we force the other Republican seats to then get rid of the rhinos and go with us? And then could we get enough of them in our district? And then could we go to the state level? But he talked about starting at the, at the lowest level. And then if you win there, then people see that, um, that, see that you're winning. They see that movement. And then they can start to rally yep. behind that. And then it builds. And then I get the next level. The next, next thing you know, 
we take over the state. And then if we can take over the state, then we take over coalition states. And I was like, man, that is a dang good idea. Because what happens is let's focus on the president and then we don't get it. And then everyone's defeated. And then, oh, why yes. bother? It doesn't even matter. As opposed to setting, re and this is just like goal setting 101, right? Like set a realistic goal in front of you, achieve that and then move up. And I thought it was just genius the way that he broke that down. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, it's just about verbatim what I've been saying within the Libertarian Party for quite some time. You know, there's one thing that the Libertarian Party nationwide is known for, not winning elections. But the reality <laughs> is- What Vivek said, right? Actually, <laughs> a party of losers. Actually, well, but the thing is, we've actually almost, despite ourselves, we've won hundreds of elections, but they're all local elections. But because we also focus on our presidential candidates and our Senate candidates and our gubernatorial candidates and con congressional and, and, and candidates and so forth, we're seen as the loser party, even though we've been winning elections. And not only have we, we've been winning those local elections, but there's a benefit of it as a result. The people there are happier. They're being taxed less. The, 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 the services that are being provided are better and far less expensive. And we're able to show what libertarian governance actually looks like. And it's at a fraction of the cost that we spend to lose. So and, and long before the vast majority of people ever, ever consider voting for a libertarian for the White House or for the, their governor's mansion or for Congress or anything else, they need to see how it works in their backyard, which, by the way, is our backyard. And as and, and you are far more likely to be uh, uh, to suffer under the tyranny of on a day to day basis of your city council or your county council or your local sheriff or police department than you are to suffer from anything at the federal level. Right. So yeah. it, it not only does the most acute, immediate good, it not only is the best use of your resources and it not only builds up your your stable of elected officials who can eventually work their way up to the state and, and federal level, but it also kills the whole narrative that we can't win and replaces it with not only can we win, not only can they win, but when they win, when libertarians win, we all win. It's not just if Team Red or Team Blue won, but America actually won because we're freer and benefiting from that freedom. So no, I, I am yeah. a huge fan of the focus on local, especially for the Libertarian Party and other, you know, so-called third parties. That's where we can win and where we can build up from. What about, though, like uh, kind of one of the points he was making was that you have these two apparatuses. You have the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, right? That's mm -hmm. what they are. Yep. Um, the Republic or the Democratic Party has, you know, seemingly kind of been taken over by this radical left, whatever you want to call them, socialist. I mean, they are, right? I mean, you look at the squad, what they're doing, Bernie Sanders. Yep. I mean, they're socialists. They didn't start a socialist party. They took over the Democrat Party. Yeah. And so yeah. using that, couldn't the Libertarian Party take over the Republican Party? Right. And when I say that, I mean the apparatus. Right. So you have uh, there's, you know, the Freedom Caucus guys are probably more in line with the Libertarian, you know, more or less. Right. As opposed to the rhinos anyway. Right. And so, like, could the Libertarian Party start to infect the, the apparatus that's already there from a local level and, and starting to kind of get these rhinos out that don't agree with that, you know, smaller government, less taxation, those types of things, and then sort of use the tool that's there sort of like the left has used as opposed to trying to get um, this third party, this Libertarian Party, and then to your point, you know, suing to get on ballots and all those things. Would it be easier yeah. just to sort of infect and take the apparatus over just like we saw happen on the left? 
there are many libertarians who are doing that. And and to those who do that, I say Godspeed. I, I would very much like a more libertarian Republican Party, and for that matter, a, a more libertarian Democrat Party, if that's even, I'm not sure that's even possible. But I, I, I certainly, I, anyone who wants to uh, focus their efforts on that. Also, I'm not sure you have to choose between the two. The reality is one of the best ways to keep the Republican Party as libertarian as possible is the very real threat that they will lose votes to a libertarian candidate if they don't, you know, if they don't deliver. Um, and so I think that you can have both. You can have libertarians who are trying to make the Republican Party more Republican uh, or more Democrat. Uh, and you can also have libertarians who, in order to grow that party and help the Republican Party become more libertarian, give them that ever-present threat of losing their votes to the Libertarian Party as a result of it. I will say, and we saw this with Ron Paul, uh, we've seen it with other libertarians who are Republican. I do think that there is a ceiling that libertarians can reach in either of the major parties. And here's why and, and why it didn't do the same for the socialists. The socialists and the, the status quo uniparty that, that runs the country both want a bigger government. They just argue over how much bigger and what that would look like. But they both want bigger and bigger government that is more and more involved in your life. We want the opposite of that. So I think there will always, to some extent, as long as this uniparty or, or duopoly or whatever you want to call it, as long as that establishment exists, there's always going to be a bit of a ceiling of just how much we can infiltrate, for lack of a better word, in that. But I may be wrong. Maybe if libertarians are able to take over the Republican Party, it will become the libertarian equivalent of what the socialists did in the Democrat Party. And if that's the, if that's the case of what happens, then all, I, that's great. Um, I, I, like I said, I think that there is a ceiling, uh, but I also think that part of that forcing the Republicans to be more libertarian or the party to be more libertarian is to have that ever present threat that if they don't, if they, if they say they're going to be libertarian and then they don't deliver, they're going to lose votes to the actual libertarian party. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I mean, you could have a libertarian and a, I don't even know what a Republican is under the Republican name. The ideologies are different. I understand what you're saying, though, as opposed like right now, the Republican and Democratic Party both want bigger governments, including socialists yeah. want a bigger government as well. Socialists want a bigger uh, government apparatus that has more power and control, whereas libertarians want less of it. But uh, unless you get maybe to this extreme example of Argentina, where he's literally starting from zero, like zero based accounting, like let's just burn it down and rebuild it. Um, it's maybe we, we have to maybe more whittle it down. Uh, and so that maybe is more of like a process. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm sitting down with Spike Cohen talking about what is going on in Argentina. And are we seeing a revolution across the world? We'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. Be right back. All right. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. Sitting down with Spike Cohen. We're talking about what's going on in uh, Argentina, the libertarian uprising, if you will. We were talking about the scam of politics. Now, let's get to the money for a minute, Spike. So, um, you know, um, the new president there in Argentina is an economist. Uh, some of the legacy media is calling him a right-wing economist. Um, <laughs> I, wherever they get right-wing, some whatever attack. He's an Austrian economist, right? So he believes yeah. in sound money principles and human action yeah. and those types of things. Um, he does want to go to a dollar. He does want to dollarize the country. Yes. Um, so a lot of people that are, you know, maybe hardcore libertarians or freedom lovers are like, well, wait a minute, he just wants to go on the dollar standard. Isn't that the same thing? Uh, but he's yeah. also been pro Bitcoin as well, um, which yes. of course, why wouldn't he? We have two presidential candidates in the US on a pro Bitcoin platform, but why wouldn't they? Who could run for the land of the free and not say you don't have the freedom to choose what type of money you want? Anyway, uh, so he's running for both. Uh, like I said, there's criticism, though, that he wants to go the dollarization route. I mean, what's yeah. your take on yeah. that? Yeah, so uh, it's a matter of perspective. First of all, he has talked about the fact that Bitcoin is the, for lack of a better word, purest form of money. It is the return of money back to the private sector where it belongs. Um, there has been talk about Bitcoin becoming a form of legal tender in uh, in uh, Argentina. Uh, but I want to be clear about this dollarization thing. Uh, the the dollar, the inflation rate under the dollar has been the official rate is what, anywhere from five to 8%. It's probably more like 15, 20%. Argentina, Argentina's peso, their inflation rate, official rate has been around 150%. And it's probably closer to two or even 300% year over year. So if you're comparing two fiat currencies, it's not even comparable that the US dollar, comparably speaking, is far more stable. It's also going to be a lot easier for the economy to say, okay, for, for, for the, the Argentinian government to say, okay, we're going to have to turn off our pay. So it's a failed experiment. We destroyed it and we're going to just replace it with this fiat currency, at least in the interim. That's, that's yeah. a, a, a more immediately feasible thing than saying, okay, our new official currency that we use for everything is Bitcoin. So I do believe, based on what he has said and obviously what the uh, advisors that are advising him, all of whom are also Austrian trained, I do think that these steps are introduction of Bitcoin, normalization of Bitcoin, introducing it as a form of legal tender like what they did in El Salvador. But I think in in an immediate intermediate step to just reduce the absurdly high inflation that is literally killing people in Argentina right now is to switch from their peso, which has gone the way of the the, the Weimar Republic uh, Reichmarks to uh, to the U.S. dollar, which comparatively speaking is exponentially more stable. 
Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I was saying the same thing. I think it's a really good intermediate step. It like, it's like triage. It like stops the bleeding. Yeah, like let's just get it to like yeah. sort of like a inflation like we have in the US and then we can get to the next step. We have to do something immediately. Yeah. And, and, and as much as I'd like to see a Bitcoin standard, I mean, it's just, I just don't think it's super realistic today. Like let's just take this first step. I think it's, I think this it's very moment. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we can see sort of what's happened in El Salvador where um, they're on the dollar standard, but now they're bringing Bitcoin in as a reserve currency or not a reserve exactly. currency as, as, as a medium of exchange. Um, but that's brought in massive amounts of tourism, investment capital, businesses. Yeah. I mean, and it is changing that country very rapidly. Um, so I think it's a good intermediary step as well. Um, I've seen some people say, um, oh, he's probably controlled demolition controlled opposition his pictures on the world economic forum website have you seen that i have seen it so my understanding and i'm not going to claim to be an expert on this my understanding is that his involvement with the uh the WEF, the world economic forum was that in 2014 he was included on a panel of economists from argentina or from Latin America, talking about economics in, in Latin America. That's that's the extent to his involvement. I also, my understanding is that they removed a, his contributions in that from their website. So it seems like they didn't like what he had to say, whatever it was he had to say. Uh, yeah. I don't believe from what I've heard and, and my understanding, I don't believe he has any other involvement other than what, 10 years ago, nine years ago, they invited him to speak on a panel about Latin American economics. And as a result of that, you know, because he's, he's, he has spoken at one of their events and was a panelist, he has a page on their site or used to have a page on their yeah. site. That's the extent from, from the research I've done, um, which yeah. I will admit has not been exhaustive. Uh, but from what research I've done and what I've seen from others, that's the only thing I've seen was that he did that panel one time. And again, Apparently, they didn't like what he had to say because they were they scrubbed him from the they've scrubbed any any of what he had to say from their site. I I I've seen the same thing, and you know the World Economic Forum is putting everybody's picture on their website, and so like yeah, just I, because they put a picture of you on there doesn't mean that you're pushing their policies, and that's what I try to remind people. And I just feel that even if maybe that was the case ten years ago, anyone that goes on Tucker Carlson and can. Re and can recite F.A. Hayek from memory. <laughs> uh, if, if you have read that enough to have it ingrained enough to be able to recite it by memory, like you, you, you believe it, right? You have the, you have the yeah. economic side down. So yeah, but I, but I, I want to, I, this is an important point because let's say, let's say he's a, a WEF puppet and a, a CIA operative, you know, a, a plant by, by the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the Western establishment. It is crucial whether he is or isn't, it is crucial that as libertarians, we hold him to account. Sure. If he doesn't deliver like he said he would, if he said he was going to do this, but does this instead, then we need to be the loudest ones in holding him to account. Because the alternative is if he comes in and promises to do all these things and then fails to deliver or does the opposite, then the the uh, the narrative from the ruling class, from the, the corporate media or the global corporate media and uh, the Western governments around the world is libertarianism failed. And so yeah. it is crucial that we be at the forefront of praising him when he does what he said he, he would do and criticizing him when he doesn't say when, when he doesn't do what he said he would do or does the opposite of it. So whether he is or is not. Uh, a West puppet or a CIA puppet or whatever else, if he's a true believer or not, it is crucial that we hold him and anyone else that is under our banner even more accountable than we would hold anyone else. Because this is, for lack of a better word, our brand. 
And if he does the wrong thing and it fails and he does it under our brand, then, you know, the libertarian brand is going to suffer writ large. So it's important that we hold him accountable. Yeah. Um, I have about two minutes left. I have another question, and I'm not sure if you really have got into it this deep into the economic side, but Argentina does have a trade deficit of about a billion dollars. They're about $400 billion in debt. Um, How do they dollarize with that type of a trade deficit, you know, when they lose the ability to control their own money without taking on even more debt and sinking? Do you think that maybe by stripping all this government bloat, they can unleash economic activity and kind of grow their way out of it? Or have you thought about that? Yeah, I think that's the plan is to so strip down government that they can, like you said, grow their way out of it. I think there's also going to be some haggling to try to, uh, you know, and this is where a lot of libertarians are going to get upset. He's going to have to haggle with the IMF. He's going to have to haggle with his creditors, right? Like he, he came in and inherited this massive, and I'm not making excuses, but the reality is he is going to have to, he can't simply say, okay, all debt is gone. All, you know, we, we have completely, uh, you know, clean slate. This is Argentina day zero. He, he's yeah, coming he into a reality that was created before him. And so there's going to have to be haggling. There's going to have to be working these things out. But I do think the overarching plan is to massively reduce government and introduce the kind of pro-commerce uh, incentives and pro-trade incentives that set the Argentinian economy on fire and, uh, and, and you know, cause massive amounts of growth that will allow them to grow out of this, which will include massive tax reductions. It'll happen. Yeah. I think that's such a great viewpoint. You know, um, there's the world that we want to be in, the Heaven Island, and then there's the world that we're yes. in, Hell Island. And we have yeah. to build a bridge to get there, right? And so, yes. I mean, he, the, the debt is what the debt is. He's going to have to work it out. You can't just yeah. magically get past this and back to kind of even this going de- going to the dollar first. It's like, this is yeah. a process. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I've been sitting down with Spike Cohen talking about the revolution in the air that's happening down in Argentina. That's what I got today. Thanks so much for listening. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.